Hello and welcome to Pairing, a podcast where we pair wine with art and pop culture. I am your host, Emma Scherzarko, and in this episode, Winston and I talk about the TV sensation Ted Lasso. We talk about what makes this show so good, while also delivering some criticisms, and we do get into a fair amount of wine stuff too, so this is a fun one. Some slight spoilers, so if you haven't seen at least the first season of the show, you might want to catch up, but nothing too major in here. Thank you so much to all of our patrons, and especially our producer-level patrons. Emma Cohen, Rena Sarame, Zoo Yorker, Caitlin Van Horn, Rebecca Joy, Henrietta White, Rachel Berman, and Michael Beck, all of whom I would watch a football match with at the local pub. If you would like to join these believers, come check us out at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast, where you can get access to all sorts of extras for as little as $1 a month. One last little thing before we dive in. I was convinced by popular demand, and mostly Winston, to make a Twitch so you can watch me play video games very badly and hear my color commentary. I'm still waiting on some technical equipment so that you can see my face and hear my voice while I do it, but I should have that set up fairly soon, and I have still been streaming just to get used to it, so come follow me at twitch.tv easygamer. That's E-A-S-Z, because those are my initials, and I also play on easy most of the time. Get it? Haha. <laughs> anyway, link in the show notes. Come check it out. It should be fun. Without further ado, here is episode 89, Ted Lasso. Hello, ladies and gents. Hello, lads. Um, so we are going to be talking about uh, the sensation sweeping this nation, and I don't know about other nations. Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. I'll be doing a lot of really, really bad, bad British accents. accents. Yes, me too. During this me episode. Too. Ted Lasso. I'm Ted... always trying to do the Leeds, the North, Northern oh, English. The Northern English, the Manchester. Manchester. It's hard. I really sorry, any any British listeners. Yeah. We're just going to be butchering it. Yeah. Um, also, you guys have like a zillion accents for such a tiny ass country. It's true. It's true. Yeah. But anyway, so we're going to be talking about Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso? So uh, I think we're the first people to have discovered it. I'm yeah, which sure. is pretty yeah. obscure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, no, I mean. We're very late to the party, we, obviously. We are, but we, uh, Winston got a free year of Apple TV with his new phone or something. And so, because we were like adamant, we were like, we're not getting Apple TV. We don't need <laughs> another streaming yeah. service. But then, yeah. uh, but then we got it for free, so here we are. Yeah. And it seems to be creating some of the, I don't know about best, but some some great content yeah, is I mean, on I, Apple TV now. I can't speak to anything else on Apple TV. I hear Schmigadoon is good. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Ted Lasso is, is absolutely and one of the best delight. shows I've seen in years, 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 years. And um, and I was thinking happy. it makes me happy too. I, the only thing I could sort of equate it to that I was thinking is it's kind of got a little bit of a Shit's Creek vibe to it. Yeah, it's like a little bit, yeah. a little bit like that, like you know, kind of fish out of water sort of is a part of it, but it's also just got so much heart. Yeah, found and family, found kind family. Of thing. Yeah. But but it is it is really unique and um, yeah. the whole ensemble is terrific. Yeah. Jason Sudeikis is just a just a delight. Yeah, and, and it's it's funny seeing you know the the, the range he has mm-hmm. you know because in We Are the Millers he's this really sarcastic like deadbeat drug addict or yeah. drug dealer and, yeah and in this he's just I mean the whole gist of the show aside from Fish Out of Water is that it's just about like. The power of relentless positivity, yeah, um, and kindness, yeah, and, which is you know very rare yeah. in entertainment these days. So I was thinking about this show, and the way I would describe this show is it's a feel-good show. No, definitely. And that's not to say that it's that it doesn't have complexity and nuance. It does deal with some fairly serious yeah. mental health issues, and um, yeah, and Ted's personal life is like pretty sad. It's very sad, <laughs> yeah. And but so I was thinking, you know, I mean, we've talked a lot about like comfort TV or uh, and comfort wines. We've talked about those before, but this one is specifically feel good, mm-hmm. I think. And so I was thinking about, okay, what are some feel good wines like? 
like you just feel good when you take a sip of it. Mm. And I have certain wines that I do associate with that. And it's, you know, it's close to the comfort wines thing, but I feel like yeah. it's, it's a little different because like, you know, some of my comfort media is not necessarily feel good. You know, like, like I love... You know, like Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Like, that's comfort TV for me. But I wouldn't say it's feel-good TV. Yeah, yeah like Star <laughs> um, Trek isn't always feel-good. Right, but, right. Um, um, but but Ted Lasso definitely is. And so um, so I was thinking I was going to talk about some. And I've prepared some, uh, but I haven't prepared all feel-good wines. But the first wine that came to mind, and I think this is a good one for Ted himself and ooh. the show overall, is um, Beaujolais, mm. and um, specifically Beaujolais from the Morgon subregion. Where's that? Um, it's just in Beaujolais. It's one of the crews oh, of okay. Beaujolais. Um, so Beaujolais is, you know, just south of Burgundy, and the the grape, the primary grape there is Gamay. Some people, there's a lot of misconceptions about Beaujolais. Uh, because of Beaujolais Nouveau, which is this phenomenon that I forget why it started, um, but but it it's basically so Beaujolais Nouveau specifically refers to basically the fastest made red wine ever. Um, it's they release it every year, and it's basically the the first wine of the harvest of that year. So it's usually released around like a little bit before Thanksgiving, like the second, mm. I believe it's the second week of November. So it's basically like right from the vine into the bottle. Exactly. Right from the vine, just fermented, put it in the, put it in the bottle. And, um, and a lot of people, and it's not meant to be complex. It's not meant to be impressive. Right. Um, this Beaujolais Nouveau, the, the, the main purpose of it, other than the fact that it's become sort of wildly popular, or at least it was like, 20 years ago or something. Yeah, it was, it was, they were talking a lot about it when I was in France in 2005. Definitely. Yeah, that sounds right. And they and said that what they, what they told me at the time. Yeah, what did they tell you? They told me that it was basically odd years are, are good huh. and even years are bad. Huh. Like as a rule of thumb, they were like the 2000, like here's the 2003, the 2003 is really good. The 2005 mm. might be good this mm. year. The 2004 sucked. Huh. I'm the, not sure if that's a it's a hard and fast rule. I don't but, think it is. Um, but Let's... but 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 the idea is that it is supposed to show something about how the harvest of that year is going to be, hmm. um, in a very fresh, very immediate kind of way. But usually without too much complexity. And between between like the very fast fermentation process and also Beaujolais and Gamay specifically often undergo this process called carbonic maceration. Oh yeah. Uh, yes, which uh, just pulling out my, my little wine glossary. I haven't talked about carbonic maceration in a little while. Um, so carbonic maceration happens when the primary fermentation happens within the grape itself. And this often happens with Beaujolais. There's a couple. Uh, t technically, it's traditional in Rioja, actually. Mm. Um, so, so quote unquote, traditional Riojas often undergo carbonic maceration. But what it does, it gives the the wine a very kind of fruity flavor. Mm. Um, some some even associate like bubble gum or banana with it. If it's too heavy, I don't love it, but it's it's just a, a kind of nice fruity flavor if it's done well. Hmm. Uh, and I'm just, you know, just as I'm speaking, this is appropriate for Ted Lasso because he kind of goes through a lot internally mm -hmm. before he lets it out. That's true. Yeah. Um, and he kind of masks the the struggles that he's having with this. I mean, I think it's genuine, you know, optimism right. and kindness. Right. But um but, you know, as we just saw recently. No, not going to give away too many spoilers, but if you're listening, you've probably watched the show. But, you know, he finally just kind of opened up a little bit in the last episode. Yeah. yeah. Um and so and so we're learning more about what that first carbonic maceration going on with him was. Mm -hmm. Anyway, yeah, there we are. Yeah, exactly. That's my very long-winded uh, justification for <laughs> for Beaujolais. For sounds good. Oh, and I was just going to say because we talked about Beaujolais Nouveau, but but Beaujolais and especially what what they call Cru Beaujolais. Um, so basically, Beaujolais from these. There's ten crews in Beaujolais. And um, those are I'm not gonna I'm not gonna remember all of them, but Morgon is one of them. Fleury, 
oh my god, it's been so long. I'm embarrassed for you. This yeah, is thank you. It's really embarrassing. Um, those are uh, Julia Julianas is one of them. Future Emma will splice in some more here. Okay. But those are but the the Fleury and oh and Bruy, Fleury. Morgan are two of my favorites. You're just naming dwarfs from the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Fleury. Gurry. Morgan. Bombor. Yeah. Bombor's in there, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, but those wines can be just absolutely phenomenal. And yeah, I like uh, they're some yeah, they're some of my absolute favorites. And um and I feel like I feel like that's a really good one for Ted Lasso. Anyway, there, there you go. There we go. So we were just talking about how you were saying one of our friends does not like Ted Lasso. And at right. first I was like, how can you not like Ted Lasso? But then we were talking about it and uh, we came up with a few, I think, valid criticisms. Yeah. Well, for one thing, I think relentless positivity is not everyone's cup of tea. And it does take a while to kind of peel back the layers a little bit of right. what's going on with him. Like you get hints of it, but I can understand you know that getting weary some sure uh to some to some people just as i can understand how like it might be hard for his wife to be in a relationship with yeah, him which the show does but, address yes um and i i think also it's you know it's pure escapism it obviously doesn't engage in any kind of political reckoning or anything like that uh, and it's um it's very like I'm not sure I 100% agree with you. I don't okay. think it does anything momentous, but they do deal with the like Dubai Air sponsorship oh, yeah. thing oh, yeah, and the true. drilling in Nigeria. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I think I think they do. I think they do to a certain extent. It's not like life-changing yeah. stuff, but it is important stuff. Yeah. They acknowledge things like American imperialism being a generally bad thing. Yes, that's um, that's one of her favorite moments when he yeah. gives Sam the Nigerian uh player the like little little toy soldier yeah. and Sam is like if it's all right I'm not going to keep this. <laughs> I don't share the same fondness for the American military that you do. Oh, yep. Imperialism. But also, I mean, it is, there are no queer characters that I'm aware of. The only possible one, but it's not made explicit, is Keely often expresses attraction to Rebecca. Yeah, that's But true. she's not made explicitly queer, yeah, I would say. That's true. Um, yeah, so that's, it's obviously very cis-hetero- yeah. You know, all that stuff. It yeah. is It is about sports, after all. Yeah. A, a male sports team. Right. But that's not to say there can't be gay yeah. people in a sports exactly. team. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. Um, but, you know, it, I, I don't um, I don't think the show is, like, actively making things worse, but it's certainly mm-hmm. not representative. Like, you know, as a queer person or trans person, you know, you're not, yeah. you're not seeing yourself in Ted Lasso. Yeah. Yeah, there are at least um, people of color, and as we were mentioning, particularly the storylines with Sam, the Nigerian player, deals with some... I don't think it ever really deals with racism in England. Yeah. Uh, At least it hasn't yet. That's that's something that it ignores pretty pointedly that is a big presence, as I understand it, in... uh, British football. Yes. Um, I guess after yes. the national team lost recently, all the black players were specifically targeted for like a yeah. ton of racist hate. Yeah. And uh, English soccer hooligans are known to uh, beat trans people nearly to death. Yeah, there's a uh, lot of, lot of bad horrific things. things. Yeah. Sports fandom is a... Uh, yeah. Is a... Uh, all the footballs have yeah, all the footballs. Of, have a lot of issues. Yeah, all sports really all have, sports have really, problematic yeah. fans. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yes, yeah, so I would say it's definitely, as you said, very cis, very het, and and so that's that's a bummer. I hope that they will start diversifying a little bit in that way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just in its second season. I have a feeling it's going to be around for a while. So hopefully they will address some of these things mm. uh, because I think I think the writers and the creators of the show really have their their hearts and heads in the right place mm. that's the feeling I get at least but yeah there you go but one of the things we've talked about with this show is that what that's really wonderful about it is there's no real villain of the show yeah even though it starts with the the kind of the premise from major league right which is, if right. you haven't seen it major league is a like a farcical base baseball movie mm-hmm. about the Indiana 
or the Cleveland the Cleveland Indians, Indians at yeah. that time, and and it's it's still it's, it's, the, it's still the Cleveland Indians, isn't I believe. it? Yeah, but, unless they unless they changed it. it Charlie but, Sheen is in it. Charlie like, Sheen is in it. It's yeah, a lot of a lot of a lot of old school Tom people. Tom Berenger. Yeah, yeah. But that premise is that this new owner, who's a woman, wants to destroy this team so that she can sell it off cheap to like another city or something like that. That's in that's in major. That's league. in major league, and right. in this one, the, Rebecca, who's the Hannah Waddingham character, she oh, she's, so um, she's so fabulous. She's so great. She has uh, been brutally um, cheated on and divorced by Anthony Stewart Head of all people. Yes, I know. <laughs> and his favorite thing in the world is this team. So she got gets it in the divorce and wants to destroy it, which is why she hires an American from a Division two college football team. Yeah. Um, but she, as you get to know her, and as she and Ted and Keeley and all them interact yeah. more, you you really get, you sympathize with her. She she goes through like a big character yeah. reckoning, and, yeah. and she she displays a lot and of I contrition. Never, and even at the beginning, like I never hate her. No, she's you know, she's, she's mean, but she's it's, mean, but it's but funny. She, yeah, it's funny, and and you can tell that there's like there is humanity in her and her dialogue, and she's not just like the caricature of like the stone cold bitch. She's yeah. got very humanizing moments from the beginning. Yeah, and her and friendship with Keely is really great. Very sweet. Keely's a, a great character. Keely is a great generally. character too. Like her intro is as this kind of bimbo character, but you very quickly realize that she's super smart and insightful. Yeah, and um. You know, and she again sort of self actualizes and gains mm-hmm. a lot more respect for herself and all this kind of stuff. And it's just yeah. like all the characters really do go on journeys. Um yeah. and, and Ted's is is really about how his his outlook on life and like how he can't he can't fix everything. Yeah. Um, with his attitude and, you know, his marriage kind of falls apart, not in a hateful way, but yeah. in a just like, you know, it, it just, just doesn't it work just anymore. It just doesn't work out sometimes, right? And yeah, and that that was that's one of the most beautiful and best written elements of the show, I feel like. Because mm-hmm. you really you can you can see it, you can just be like, oh man. It's no one's fault. Yeah. It just happens this way and you're gutted, like heartbroken. Right. For for both of them, but but um but you don't like hate the wife, the no. ex wife. Yeah. Like she's you're like I really sympathize with her as well. Yeah, and so. even the like asshole MVP character, Jamie Jamie ja- Todd. Jamie Todd. Um, you know, there's a little, there's humanity to him too. Yes, you know? definitely much more in the in the second season than yeah. they. Well, they just kind of make a a, sh- a quick shift with him. And, yeah. I mean, the over the course of the first season, he's kind of he's got his arc. Right. And I think I think a common thread throughout a lot of the show is the relationship between fathers and sons, mm. which. Is, is said explicitly a couple times, but, you know, there's the Higgins character who has five sons, and right. he's kind of got this wonderful kind of family dynamic going on. Yeah, um, he reminds me a lot of Jerry Gergich from... Definitely. From Parks and Rec. Definitely. He's a little more competent. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, yeah. But, he, but he's definitely a Jerry Gergich character. There's Ted and his son. There's Jamie and his father, who's a, just a T- utter... Yeah. Twat, yeah, as they would say, is abusive. Yeah, and um, who else? Who else? Oh, Nate and his father. He's always kind of trying to right. to impress his and father. When the Ted and Nate relationship has some of those aspects to it, definitely, and, definitely. Um, uh, Roy and his niece. Yes, so that one's technically not a, not a father son relationship, but it's very yeah. cute. But he's like her her substitute father yeah because her real father sucks yeah and um, we never see his her mother the sister do we not i don't think so i thought she had like a brief appearance maybe she I does know. but i don't remember but it seems at this point the point where we are it's like roy and keely are basically the parents to this yeah. to phoebe oh. i love phoebe <laughs> yeah, really cute. i want her moxie yeah. um but Here's a here's a wine connection just coming up on the fly. Mm. Obviously, a lot of wine wineries, especially in Europe, you know, old old family wineries, they do often pass from. For a while, it was just father to son. Now it is kind of generation to generation as mm. more and more women 
um, and maybe maybe even non-gender conforming people. I'm not sure. There's not wine. The wine industry is still pretty conservative, um, but they are they are kind of taking over a bit more as as head winemaker or owner of the winery or whatever. So, um, so that's, that's just another little connection. I'm sure there's a lot of similar family Ooh. dynamics between, like, I imagine kind of wine in Europe is very similar to like football in England, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. the way people consider, take it so seriously, you mm. know? Yeah. Well, I they think... take football pretty seriously in France too. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I mean. Yeah. Um, and did I already go on the, on the tangent of in under the Napoleonic code? Here it is, folks. Take a drink. (laughs) (laughs) Well, specifically regarding inheritance, you get like 25% of the estate to will to whoever you want. Right. And the rest has to be divided amongst the children evenly. Right. And it kept, um, I think it kept a lot of large estates from consolidating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that happened with vineyards a lot too. And that's that's why you have like, you know, one, one family that will have two different. Yeah. You know, vineyards. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That Um, makes a lot of sense. Branches of it. Anyway. Yeah. Tangent complete. Winston just reached the end of the Napoleon podcast, as it is thus far. Oh, I know. So sad. Yeah, I know. We just got to 1805. Things are about to pop off huge. Oh, man. Oh, man. We're going to have the Battle of Austerlitz. What are you going to do? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And now we're caught up on Ted Lasso, too. I know. (laughs) We're almost caught up on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It's it's hard. It's hard, people. There's not enough content out there. <laughs> um, not at the rate we consume it. Anyway. Nope, nope. Uh, <laughs> you, you saw that tweet that um, Gabrielle Urbina posted the other day where it was like, podcast creator, oh, yeah. hey, here's these um, here's these seven years of podcast episodes that yeah, it took me. Yeah. And, and it's like the consumer is like, great, that was a wonderful 36 hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Content. Yep, yep. <laughs> very much. Very relatable. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. So it goes. But yes, okay, so we've mentioned some of these characters, so um, I'm going to try to come up with feel-good wine pairings for some of them. Mm -hmm. So for Rebecca, the Hannah Waddingham character, I mean, I also, Hannah Waddingham, that's Waddingham, I think. Waddingham, yeah. Um, She's, I guess... Like um, Birmingham. She, I guess, is a a big-time West End, like, staple. Yeah. Like, she is a classic um, London theater person, Mm -hmm. and at one point... Uh, they do have her sing. She sings "Let It Go" from Frozen, and she obviously just knocks it out. Oh of the yeah, park. oh yeah. She can, she can. She's she got can pipes. Belt it. She yeah. got pipes. And in case you didn't know, probably most of you do know, um, but she's the uh, Septa in Game of Thrones. The shame. Oh, that's her. Shame. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> I her. Forgot about that. Yep, yep. That's her. Uh, very different. Yeah, uh, she does not look the same. No, but uh, she. She's terrific, as as I was saying. Um, and I think, you know, she's definitely got kind of a... I mean, she's often drinking wine on mm-hmm. the show. And I remember one scene where she, like, pulls a bottle of white wine out of, like, her wine fridge. Mm-hmm. But it's a screw-top wine. And mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, I love that. Like, she she fancy, but she basic, too. <laughs> you know, like... No, you know what I mean. There's there's great wines with screw, screw caps. And famously, I think of New Zealand, because New Zealand uses almost exclusively screw caps for their wines, even their really, really good ones. Some of the, like, really great ones, they'll use a cork, but, um, but most New Zealand wines come with a screw cap and i was like oh yeah she is like a new zealand chardonnay ah. which is one of my favorites Cayuga juice from down under yes <laughs> um i've talked about this before but i haven't mentioned it in a while um i love 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 new zealand chardonnay it is so good for the price um and it's usually not that kind of oppressively oaky buttery that you can get Sometimes from California, it's closer to Burgundy, I would say. Mm. Um, so it, you know, it's got oak to it usually, but it's much crisper, much better balanced. Um, we actually had a nice New Zealand Chardonnay the other night ah. at the restaurant with your parents. Ah. But uh, my favorite, my favorite one, and I'm, I, I, I always get told a different way that this is pronounced. So any Kiwis listening, tell me. Um, but the Kumu or the Kumeu is a really great, really great uh, Chardonnay. I believe that's the name of a river there. Mm. So there's like the Kumu River 
Chardonnay, but there's also just the Cumu like village Chardonnay. It's really good. Hmm. I used to sell it, and I it was one of my favorites. Um, and I think that's a good one for Rebecca because also like you know a lot of people have this stigma against Chardonnay at this point. Right. So at first you're like, ooh, Chardonnay, I don't know. And then you get to know her and you're like, oh, I like this Chardonnay. This yeah. is a different kind of Chardonnay than I've ever had. So that's uh, that's my Rebecca. Okay. Let's see. Who's... I saw on your little wine map that you have in the play office that oh, yes. there are several winemaking regions of Tunisia. Oh. Um, and yes, yes, there several are. Several varietals that are like, yes. native or have been imported there. Yeah, I remember um, researching this and talking about this. It makes sense because it's obviously it's where old Carthage is mm-hmm. and Phoenicians are big traders. It makes perfect sense that they would grow, be growing grapes there from thousands of years back. Yeah. Um, and I am in no way saying that Tunisia and Nigeria are interchangeable. No, um, no, no. But I don't know if there are any wine-growing reasons in I, Nigeria. So I, I was thinking about know. Sam, if there were any African yeah. varietals I, I don't, that you knew. I don't know much about wine. South African, obviously. Yeah, besides but, South Africa. Um, I don't know a ton about wine, wine in Africa. I do remember researching Tunisian wine because it is a pretty big wine growing region i believe i think it's just sort of the same the unfortunate thing that we don't get a lot of it imported or exported just like with eastern europe kind of yeah similar if i recall i could be totally wrong i believe that tunisia is particularly known for its rosé oh um i i feel like i remember that when i like i like rosé for sam i like rosé for sam too we got a rosé he's a a secret romantic yeah we got a rosé that we're we're drinking now and we we do and it's you know it's light it's light and fresh but fresh i would imagine i would imagine and i don't know but because tunisia is a bit of a warmer climate Mm -hmm. often what happens in warmer climates is that the grapes ripen faster Mm. so you'll which makes sense and so you'll often get in red and rosé wines they're much juicier than they might be uh you know Compared to a wine from France or gotcha. uh, Italy, where the climate is a little bit, a little bit cooler, at least yeah. northern Italy. Oh, well, here's a question because sure. there is a a character from Montreal, a Quebecois character, yes, who's on the yes. team. I was wondering if you know of any Canadian wines. Mm. That are good. I know it is not a. You're putting a, me on the spot. It's not here. a hospitable wine growing climate. No, but as sure. as, as uh, global warming happens. Actually, I can talk about this for England. England particularly is an up-and-coming wine region because of global warming. So a while ago, they couldn't <laughs> they couldn't grow grapes there, but now they can. Welcome to the apocalypse. Let's get drunk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pretty much. <laughs> um, but but uh, England is now particularly known for its sparkling wine. Oh. Um, it's apparently now a very similar climate to Champagne oh. in a lot in a lot of England. So they they make a lot of sparkling wine there now. Um, in terms of Canadian wine, I know I know there is wine. What I do know specifically comes from Canada is ice wine, hmm. um, is which makes sense because ice wine or ice wine is basically what it sounds like. It's 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 kind of the opposite where the grapes i believe they're they're i I don't know if they're frozen or they're very cold when they're picked Mm. and and so they're very sweet so Mm. it's so ice wine is a is a dessert wine Ah. um and and i do know that they make ice wine in canada i'm sure that they make other wines and there's like you know there's the finger lakes in upstate new york which is not too far Mm. from from canada where they make we make all sorts of wine now, but they're best known for their Riesling. Mm. Um, and there is a lot of uh, old Trappist monastery-style Belgian uh, beer. Yes, in, in, in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That's where, um, oh gosh, uh, it's where the Trippel is made. Mm-hmm, that's right. And Chime mm-hmm. is the and, other uh, big one. And, and is, a fin de mon. Isn't oh, that, that there? That is that. Yeah, I, I think so. I believe it is. Yeah, I believe the, it is. Which my favorite of those beers is the Trois Pistoles. Oh, yeah. It's really, really good. Three pistols. Um, I like fin de mon too, but um, look for my money, it's 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 the three pistols. It's like a it's like a very, I don't know, it's like almost like a, reminds me of the kind of um, 
Dunkel, I think, that you can get yeah. at like German beer halls. Yeah. Is, where it's it's a darker beer, but it's it's also very fruity and sweet. Yeah, I like I like those styles. Yeah. Kind of farmhouse style. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, Fin de Mont is in Quebec. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of good beer that comes. And out I feel of like Quebec. we should we should talk about beer because so much of Ted Lasso takes place in the pub. Right. Yeah. At, which is I love that. And you know they're yeah. all drinking pub, all drinking beer. Yeah. And uh, there's the the pub keeper who's who's delightful, and yeah, the three she's... fans who are always there. Right. It's 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 very sweet, and it really feels like you know a real nod to that that part of the culture. Mm-hmm. But yes, so so I'm not sure that the ice ice vine is good for. Oh, I'm forgetting his name. Oh, I don't the, remember his name either. Yeah, but he he spends a while telling them how to pronounce his name. <laughs> oh, Keeley, let's come up with a oh yeah a wine for Keeley. I mean, this feels like cheating because we already talked about it, but I think I feel like Rosé is a good one for her too because, mm. like you were saying, you know, at first she comes off like you think she's like this bimbo, but she's actually like really deeply, I would say, empathetic mm-hmm. and uh, and intelligent and just like a yeah. really great, really great character. But she's and, also unpolished, kind of, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, like she doesn't have any of the hoity-toity mannerisms. No, um, though she she is somehow famous, unclear yeah. how or why. Yeah. Um, At one point she says she's famous for being almost, almost famous. famous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so so she just must come from something. But um but you know, Rosé feels like a good one for that as we've talked about many times a lot of people have this preconceived notion about rosé that it's all sweet and mm-hmm. you know yeah, terrible or, or riesling could be a good one riesling's a good um, one or too or vino verde cuz it's bubbly and she's yeah, bubbly yeah 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 all these wines that kind of get a bad reputation but as being like cheap and... that also does that seems to be the theme all these wines I'm talking about mm-hmm. they all get kind of bad reputations but they're great examples of so many of them so mm-hmm. um that, but that's kind of I feel like that's thematically appropriate to yeah. uh to the show because uh everyone is not what they seem you get to really know and love these characters absolutely for all their flaws all right now let's pair um a wine with uh Rojas 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 Oh Rojas 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 <laughs> Football is life Football is life I love Danny Rojas. So they do make wine in Mexico. I forget exactly where exactly where Danny Rojas is supposed to be from. Um, I'm not sure if he's Mexico City or. But he is Mexican. Yes. Yes. Okay. I I'm pretty sure. Okay. Sorry me, if we did a racism. Let me let me look it up because I <laughs> I don't want to be. Um. But yeah, I, I, there's that, and then. Um, uh, uh. But but just just for a wine that's like, generally like. Fun. I mean, like sparkling wine, mm-hmm. like just fun, like always the life of the party, always positive. Yeah. Um, Tempranillo. Think, could be Tempranillo. Tempranillo. Could be Tempranillo. Gotta get it in there. That's he's a not, wine he's that not, I know. He's not from Spain, though. No, I he's know not. that. But um, he is kind of spicy. He's definitely spicy. Where is Danny Rojas from? He's from Mexico. Oh, he great. doesn't say where specifically, though. Okay. On, but I but they um Well they... I know there are parts of northern Mexico like um Chihuahua mm-hmm. is very similar climate to New Mexico. Yeah. It's a little hotter. They do it's more south, but as I, mean... I said, they they are making wine in Mexico more and more now. Mm-hmm. Or I mean, they've probably been making it for a long yeah. time, but we're starting to see Mexican wine um in the States. Yeah. I'm just sort of supposing that um they're gonna be growing the wine in Maybe some of the more arid regions, not like yes. the more tropical parts. Probably, probably so. Um, and if it is a similar climate to New Mexico, I mean, we make a lot of sparkling wine here in New we Mexico. Do. Absolutely, Gruet. Gruet. It works with kind of the dry, the dry climate. Mm. So that's so I stand by my sparkling wine for Danny Rojas. Okay. Um, okay. Roy Kent. Roy Kent. Roy Kent. Roy Kent. By the um, way, British people, that's how you all sound when you do American accents. <laughs> I will die on this hill. You're no better at American accents than we are at British ones. You either sound like John F. Kennedy, or you sound like this. I think I think there are some... That's Russell Crowe in every movie. Yeah, yeah. But he's... he's... Father to a murdered son. Husband to a murdered wife. Yeah, but he's but he's he's Australian with a British accent in that movie. 
Yeah, but when he does American, that's how he still yeah, sounds. Yeah, yeah, probably. Anyway, that's a hill that Winston will die on. Yeah. But Roy Kent, uh, our delightful curmudgeon. Mm-hmm. Um, Who also is like a really sweet father figure for his niece. Yes. Um, so I was thinking for him, he's definitely a character who's an extremely rough yeah. When you first meet him. I mean, he, he's literally swarthy. Literally swarthy. <laughs> he's covered yeah. in hair. Yes. Yes. Very hairy. Uh, which is a thing I like because, I mean, I am I am not a male identifying person, but I know there's a lot of stigma around having hair on your body. Um, especially on your back. Especially on your back. And he doesn't have a hairy back. Yeah. There's but he people does who really like the... The hairy chest. Yeah. Yeah. But I like, I like that they like... Show him shirtless all the time, yeah. and, and you know his his hairy chest. Um, yeah. And they you might... don't lack for shirtless men in this show. You certainly do not. But but for Roy Kent, um, I have to give him Cabernet Franc, okay, and specifically Cabernet Franc from like Chinon or Bourgogne in the in the Loire Valley in France, because some of those wines can be like so rough and gruff when you first open them. Like really earthy? Really or? earthy, like tree bark is often a tasting Ooh. note associated with them. I feel like tree bark is a good tasting note to associate with Roy Kent. Yep. Um, but but as a... it opens up, it will soften. Right. And so does he. Right. He's a good oak. He's as, a good oak. As my South African friend would yes. often say. Yes. Let's see. Uh, Jamie Tot. Jamie Tot. I'm so bad. I'm Me so too. Bad. I can't do it. Names. It's I really hard. It. I can I can imitate it if someone says it. Yeah. But yeah. I can't. We need it. like we yeah. need like someone from Leeds to be in the room with us. Yeah. Or Manchester. You're all a bit young. You've all had a few too many points. Now but see, fuck off. But I believe even the Leeds accent is different from the Manchester accent. I'm sure it is. I mean, there's so, like yeah. what thirty different accents in and around London. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. guys have all the accents. Yeah. Man. Come on. Come on. We're a country of 330 million people, and we've got like seven accents. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, but yeah, so what's a good one for Jamie? Uh, I don't Let's know. see. You hate him at first. Or, but you hate he's, him, but you... He's very prickly. Yeah, he's prickly. But he's very attractive. He's attractive. And he's good at what he does. Mm-hmm. But you kind of resent him for that. You're not a team player. No. So maybe a wine that's good on its own but doesn't pair very well with a lot Ooh, of things. Oh, yeah, that's a great that's a great concept. I'm not sure I can Just summon that off the top of your head. Yeah, yeah. Listeners, I'm so sorry. Emma's not on her. I'm really today. not. I'm really. I'm. Off I'm embarrassed for her and yeah. for you. Can't, actually, can't think of the cruise of Beaujolais. <laughs> can't come up with a pairing yeah. on the spot for yeah. Jamie Tart. Just name some of the Maillar, and we'll pretend they're wines. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so there's Manwe and uh, Aule and Ulmo and Orome. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna stop. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the good shit. Anyway, anyway. My nerd queen. <laughs> My nerd queen. You I, are a nerd queen. I like to say I'm a taught myself Elvish when I was twelve kind of nerd. <laughs> yeah. And there are and there are other uh, other kinds of nerd. Um, but so, you know, this, again, I'm always ragging on natural wines, but I feel like natural wines is appropriate for Jamie Tart because, mm. and I'm not saying this for all natural winemakers, but a lot of natural winemakers are like young, kind of cocky upstart. The, the hipsters of the, the hipsters wine The hipsters of the wine community who are like, who think they know everything. And this is a gross generalization um there are great natural winemakers there are great natural wines um but i feel like a lot a lot of people maybe not even the winemakers but the natural wine drinkers are often this way and like the orange wine bros with their Mm. huge beards Mm -hmm. and um those those are the jamie tarts of the wine world Mm -hmm. and but as they learn maybe they'll they'll yeah. Learn an uh, appreciation and develop their palates a little more. There you go. And learn to be a team player with the rest of the wine world. There you go. There we go. Perfect. That was a perfect analogy. I don't know what you're talking about. I, I You know what? I retract all my previous statements. Yeah. I am the one who is embarrassing. Yeah. And, yeah. And uh, he only mentioned Napoleon twice. I know. <laughs> uh, we did just go through the Haiti episodes and. Uh, 
Haiti is possibly the country in the world that's been done the most I was, dirty. I just have to say, I was so confused because you said Haiti, and I thought you were going to say Hades because you're playing the game well, Hades. Well, I am playing right, the game Hades right now. That game and I was like, rules. Winston, you're mispronouncing Hades. <laughs> no, but, um, <laughs> but no, Haiti, the country. Napoleon yeah. is like, you, like, he's a very complicated figure, and... As, is this going to come back around to Ted Lasso? Yeah, it is. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> Oh, no, it's not. Okay. No, no, absolutely not. No, uh-uh. no, I have nothing. I'm going nowhere. Anyway, Napoleon was really bad and racist, um, yes. especially when it came to Haiti. Yes. And um, the way he acted toward Haiti, uh, including arresting and uh, Toussaint Louverture, who's the father of Haiti, right. um, helped in making Haiti the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, Ugh. despite the fact that it is a naturally rich not um, cool, Napoleon. Kind of, also, the United States as a huge bears a huge amount of responsibility. Um, anyway, yeah. uh, solidarity for Haiti. I hope there's a huge political crisis going on there right now, Ugh. and I hope it all gets worked out um, for the benefit of the Haitian people who have been done so dirty and deserve so much better. Anyway, I hope so. We can now return to talking about wine. Um, this is not totally related, but um, I'm thinking about the character of Nate who I think the actor who plays him does a great job oh, of, he does, playing, yeah. of playing such a like, ugh, I feel I feel for Nate so hard, especially yeah. in the earlier episodes of like, oh man, I really know what it's like, or I don't know what it's like, but I can relate to that feeling yeah. of insecurity. Yeah. And, and obviously he's bullied and picked on and... Yeah. Um, but his journey is also really great. It is learning to be assertive. It is, and, and he's maybe he's maybe overcompensating a little bit now. Possibly, um, possibly that that might be a thing that we're dealing with. Um, but let's see. For Nate, okay, so something that starts out like really timid mm-hmm. and then overcompensates and becomes a little intense. I don't know. This is tough. This is a tough one. Well, it's not ever really made clear, but it is implied that he is some kind of um, Anglo-Indian descent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't or, know if it's Anglo-Pakistani. Yeah. So I don't know if you can use that region for some kind of inspiration. Unfortunately, I don't know if a ton of wine coming from that region of the world. Well, there are... Um, that is the origin of IPAs, India Pale Ale. There you go. Which... There's something that uh, maybe didn't start out so intense, but then a lot of over people time, overcompensate because yeah. some IPAs are just so. I mean, you love it, you love them, but a yeah. lot of them are like so over hoppy. Yeah, and and because people just do hop for hop's sake. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Um, and also, the you know, they don't have to be as potently alcoholic as many of them are. But no. again, that's happened over time. And I like the New England style, the hazy or the juicy IPAs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. For anyone that doesn't know the origin of the IPA, because if you've ever been on a brewery tour, they've told you. Yeah, <laughs> probably. But... but it's basically when, when uh, the British were uh, ransacking and, and raping the Indian subcontinent, um, the they want obviously they wanted beer but it's was such a long before the suez canal you had to go around the cape of good hope right and um the horn of africa and all that stuff to get to, to the indian subcontinent and so they put extra hops mm. into the beer being shipped back and forth mm. um, uh, from england to india so that it would survive this incredibly huh. long journey i didn't actually i don't think i know this that's that's wh- where ipa comes from huh. and um so it started uh as something that was, you know, done of necessity to get beer to India. But then the people who were shipping it there brought it back to England and it became mm. very popular mm. um, in England as well. Got and it. so uh, today there's the American style of IPA, which is much more like fruity and hop for hop's sake type of thing. Yeah. And the English IPA, um, first of all, is not nearly as popular or ubiquitous yeah. in England as it is here. But... Um, 
it's a much more grassy taste, a mm-hmm. much smoother and milder, uh, but still kind of bitter mm-hmm. uh, IPA. So that might be good for Nate. Yeah. Um, and I'm also remembering there's a scene in one episode where he's trying to get the, the front table in yeah. the restaurant. And that's maybe the closest that the show gets to acknowledging racism yeah. in England. Yeah. It, they don't explicitly say it, but it's kind of implied it's kind that of it's Im- because he's, that, he's Anglo-Indian that he's y- being treated badly. Yeah. Um, and they don't want him, you in know, the front in table. the front table, yeah. visible to all to see. Maybe I'm misreading that, but that was how that, I no, that's, that's how, how I interpreted I that. that. Yeah. Um, Which another community that deals with a ton of racism oh in Britain. Yes. Um, oh man, I want Indian food now. We can get Indian food. Whoa, that would be cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> London, some of the best Indian food. Right. I love I love Indian getting Indian food in London. Yeah. Um, it's like their Mexican food, kind of. Like I it's think everywhere the, it's really good. I think the most unrealistic part of the show is when Ted goes to the Indian restaurant with uh, what's his name, Trent. What Trent Crim. Trent Crim, the Independent, and he orders like the spiciest thing on the menu, or he orders it as it as they would make it for mm-hmm. themselves. I'm like. There's no way that they would make it that spicy for a white guy. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's true, yeah. But it's also a wonderful Ted Lasso moment because he's oh, like yeah. very obviously in pain, but yeah, he's gonna but eat he's it. Gonna so eat the it guy all. doesn't yeah. feel bad. No, it's very, it's so sweet. But it's, it's a great character moment for it, him. It is, but um, but I was just like though. Growing up, my brother did order the like extra hot vindaloo, at yeah at our local Indian restaurant, and the the. the uh, waiters would like come peek around and like watch him eat it, and he did it. He did it. I think he had some severe gastric distress afterwards. Oh, it's like when but, we got the barbecue um, with the extra spicy oh barbecue sauce, and I was, was like, I didn't hesitate. You were a fool. I poured it yeah, all over yeah, my thing, yeah. and then I'm, I'm this is like red faced, sweating. It was crying. I, I luckily, luckily, <laughs> I didn't smother my barbecue in it. I just put like a little bit on there. I was like shoveling coleslaw. And I, so I, I had barely any on it, and I was like, I could barely take it. I could barely eat it. Yeah. That was... I was full. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, that was a bit of a sidebar, <laughs> but... Uh, but With the podcast where we talk about foods we ate, foods okay. we will eat, <laughs> and foods we want to eat. See, ostensibly, this, this show is not supposed to be about food. It's supposed right. to be about wine and right. and art. You know what goes well with, with wine is food. Food, yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. The, the whole... Pairing, yeah, no, it's the whole yeah, joke. This whole yeah. thing, anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, who have we forgotten? Um, oh, there's Higgins. Yeah, Higgins. Higgins is sweet. And Coach Beard. Oh, Coach Beard! I love Coach Beard. <laughs> but Coach Beard just has to be like a pilsner. Yeah, like he's very, very stoic. Very stoic. I, but like, props to that actor because it's. Like the way he plays that character feels so effortless. Yeah. And, and not toxic at all. No, and like not toxic at all, but just very quiet and reserved and but but it feels so organic. Yeah. Um his performance. So definitely an organic pilsner there or you go. organic wine. There you go. Um uh I think that's good for Coach Beard. And so for Higgins, we got, he's pretty buttoned down, but he does cut loose. He does cut loose. Yeah. He, mm, let's see, buttoned down wine that cuts loose. I'm struggling. I'm struggling. Well, what's Uh, a wine that gets a lot better after it's had a chance to breathe for a while? Well, there's lots. Okay. Um, But maybe, maybe like, yeah, maybe like a Chianti or something. That at first is like really high, high in acidity, because mm-hmm. that can happen with a lot of Italian wines. Like at first they can be just really acidic, so acidic you don't like. Even for me, it's too much and almost vinegary. Mm-hmm. Um, but as they open up, they get they they soften and and kind of round out a little bit. And so yeah, that's a good one for Higgins. All for right, sure. there you go. There we go. Thank you. Whew. Thanks for the assist. Mm-hmm. See, we're team players here. Yeah, just like Ted Lasso taught us to be. Mm-hmm. Dad Lasso. Dad Lasso. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's other incidental characters. I mean, there's like the Welsh guy, mm-hmm. Colin, I think his name is. Yeah, talk about and an then, accent I cannot do. Oh, cannot, cannot, <laughs> yeah, won't even try, won't even try. <laughs> then uh, Isaac, who takes over as team captain. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, 
But they're not, they're never quite given, like, they've got little moments, but right. they're never quite given the... Well, Isaac has, like, an episode that's mostly yeah, about him. Yeah, yeah. Which is a, a classic, you know, find find the joy of the game again yes. episode. Yes, Um And that's something that I relate to a lot, or have been trying to relate to a lot, like, in terms of voice acting stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it probably applies to, hopefully, most people and in, in what you do it's sometimes you get so caught up in the work of it or the struggle of it. Yeah. Um, Cause thanks capitalism uh, right. that you can forget to find the joy in it. Right. And yeah. so I think, I think Ted Lasso ultimately is a show about finding joy in things because ultimately Ted Lasso, the sh- it's not about whether Richmond wins or loses. Right. And he says that multiple times. Yeah. Like, yes, of course you're rooting for them. You want them to win. But that's not the point. Right. The and, point is is the family yeah. building and the, the development of the people yeah. over time. Um, and, I, you know, I, I have that in my work, too, where I often sure. will get so caught up in the day-to-day, um, you know, mundanity of dealing with the, the criminal minutia. justice system. That you also have to deal the, with a lot of... the joy <laughs> of the game. You yeah, know? yeah. And um, those moments are rare, and you really have to, you really have to hold on to them, I yeah, think, in order absolutely. to keep going. And, and so, you know... I'm not trying to conduct a mindfulness webinar. I find the entire concept Ew. of those insulting, but I do think Ted Lasso is about trying to find find joy in everyday life. Yeah, um, and uh, and if you don't find joy in it, it's not worth it anymore. Right. And yeah. Uh, and uh, and it is also about making the changes you need to be happy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. So it's not saying like. Just whistle while you work, you know, everybody, and enjoy late-stage capitalism. It's, yeah. <laughs> it is about, like, no, some things aren't going to work, you know, yeah. like with Keely and mm-hmm. Jamie and Ted and his wife. Mm-hmm. And um, Rebecca makes a lot of changes so mm-hmm. that she can be happy. And, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a lot about that. And that's, yeah. I think, where the real pathos of the show comes Absolutely. from. Absolutely. So, but, yeah, I think... I think that's a nice note to end on. Well, there you go. Um, maybe we'll order some Indian food mm-hmm. and enjoy. Uh, just a quick tip. Uh, Syrah, really good with Indian food. There you go. I particularly like Syrah from Washington. Some people love uh, a good Northern Rhone French Syrah with Indian food, but uh, it, it's good. It works. Normally, red wine with spicy food is really tough, but Syrah and Indian food. Try it. Check mm. it out. Right on. Cheers. Cheers. Pairing was created, hosted, and produced by Emma Sherjarko, with music and audio recording by Winston Shaw and logo artwork by Darcy Zimmerman and Katie Huey. This episode was edited by Emma Sherjarko. Follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Pairing Podcast to keep tabs on what we're up to. And feel free to send us any thoughts, questions, requests, and pairings of your own on our website, thepairingpodcast.com, via email at pairingpodcast at gmail.com, or on any social media platform. Come check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast, where you can pledge as little as $1 a month and get access to exclusive content, customized pairings from me, live streams, and more. Also, check out our merch store on our website at thepairingpodcast.com slash merch. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing with your friends. Thank you so much for listening to Pairing, where you come for the stories and stay for the wine.